Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And I'm Austin. And, uh, you know, a little event happened last week. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys tuned into our NFL draft coverage, uh, but, you know, we had a lot of great guests on there. So thank you to anybody who did tune into that. I believe Felix posted the uh, interviews with uh, former NFL players Brandon Carr and Cam Bradfield. Uh, so you definitely go check that one out. That was a really interesting interview there. That yeah, and we'll be releasing them on our feed here as well. Yeah, um, as like separate little episodes uh, in the next day or two. So if you don't find them, I think he posted them on the Debbie Debate thread yeah, or whatever. Um, but they'll be on this one too. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Good to know that uh, we're we're adding episodes to our podcast. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, no. I think that's a that's a great addition, and I would love to. I'm glad that we're throwing those on there because, like I said, those are great interviews. Um, you know, they just reliving some of their draft day stories, some of their contract and NFL stories too. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then we also had some really cool guests on there. Matt Waldman, um, guy I respect a lot. We also had on Nick Whalen. Um, Damien Parsons from Crocker Report, uh, Sam Holt. Uh, we had a ton of guests. Uh, I believe it's up on our YouTube page, so go check that one out too. Um, but we'll jump right into some interesting news here in the NFL. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' career in jeopardy. And he... uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, Aaron Rodgers uh, is reportedly very upset with Green Bay's front office, specifically GM Brian Gutenkist, or however you pronounce his name. Um, yeah, he's reportedly not very happy with him. It kind of stemmed for a little bit from the Rod, um, them taking Jordan Love in the first last year, them not in all his 16 years in the league, not getting him a first-round wide receiver. And then they cut one of his apparent good friends and somebody that he liked in Jake Kumaro. Uh, and it all kind of came to a head there, and they released the news that this offseason that he wants out and is threatening to retire instead. So, Austin, what are your thoughts on this interesting situation here? I I honestly think that he's one of the few players in the league that, um, you know, he's spiteful enough, but also accomplished enough and far enough into his career where I think this is a legitimate threat. I, I really, really do. I could see him hanging it up and being fine with it and not really looking back, or at least, you know, not for a year. You know, he could see play hardball for a whole year and then kind of force something next offseason. Um, because, yeah, he is. I mean, he's done virtually everything. You know, he's won MVP. He's won Super Bowl. He's won Super Bowl MVP. You just combine those two. He's been a pro bowler. He's been an all pro Um, So, I mean, he's done really everything he was wanted to do. He's 37 now. So he's, had a very long, uh, fruitful, productive career. Obviously, Hall of Fame bound here. Whenever uh, he hangs it up, five years after that, he's going to go right in. So I, I do think it's legitimate. And the best part about the whole story is that he's such a spiteful person that <laughs> all these things that are coming out about, um, like things that he's supposed to have said, are totally believable. Like if some, if you said, you know, Peyton Manning had said, you know, had been dissing the GM, you'd be like, that doesn't really sound like Peyton. I think someone's someone's fibbing there for a story or. Or uh, to make someone look better than somebody else, but with him, like where he was making fun of, you know, uh, comp- comparing their GM Jerry both Krause. in looks and and uh, yeah, you know, and, and how he does his job to Jerry Krause was hilarious. Um, 
I, I, I think I could just, I, I, it, it would not shock me if how basically how everyone has described it's happening. It is actually happening behind the scenes there. This, this story has unearthed a lot of really weird things about Green Bay's front office and just, um, you know, behind the scenes structure as a whole where they're, uh, from what I've heard and read, they're one of the, or basically the most uh, divided front offices in the league where basically the coaching staff has their stuff. They don't really get input with the, the front office guys. And then they have like the management, you know, beyond that. And they aren't really, none of them are really connected. Um, which is kind of bizarre in its own right. Um, I guess it's worked, but at the same time, you know, how many of those cracks has Aaron Rodgers, you know, been able to, to cover up over the years? Um, I I kind of do side with Aaron. I think they've done a really poor job of handling, managing resources, I'll say. Because, you know, they have spent some picks on the offense. You know, they've, they've had some guys there over the course of his career. Um, but they, you know, the last year's draft, even, even if everything ends up working out for them, you know, AJ Dillon becomes a starting good starting quality NFL running back. Josiah DeGuara becomes a useful offensive chess piece, uh, so on and so forth. You know, Jordan Love either there or somewhere else becomes a, a starting NFL quarterback. I still think the process was very, very poor, uh, from, uh, just an allocation of resources standpoint, you know, you have a guy with his career winding down and instead of kind of doubling down to, to make a push, you spend your first round pick on a guy that's not going to play for at least two or three years. You spend the second on a running back when you already have one. And then you resign that running back that off season for a nice fat contract, no wide receiver threat, but you pick up a H back when you are, I mean, we didn't know what Tunyon was then, but you know, they, they had bodies there, you know, they had Jimmy Graham still there at the time. So, um, I get why he's angry. I think the bigger, and uh, you know, I I'll, I'll kick this over to you, and you can choose to answer this or, or talk a little more about Rogers. But I'm shocked that nobody made a play for him on draft night. I'm shocked when that when Justin Fields was falling, and maybe you know maybe we're wrong. Maybe the we're as the collective public are wrong. But Justin Fields would have been the ultimate piece to dangle in front of Green Bay when you're on the clock and say, look, we'll trade you this pick. We'll give you two other, two or three other, th- other things that you really, really want. And you can build around Justin Fields if you'd like. Or you can, you know, have him battle it out with, with Jordan Love, you know, whatever floats your boat. I was really, really surprised that that didn't happen. So that is the only thing that gives me pause is to say that he's definitely never going to play another snap for the Packers. My thing with the the draft day trade, and, and I did say it on our draft coverage in the first day there, I, I didn't think he was going to move get moved on draft day because of just how everything had just come out at that point. The Packers didn't have a ton of leverage, and, and they still don't really have that much leverage, I don't think, um, you know, in, in trades, because I think everybody is kind of along the lines of you and me where we think Aaron Rodgers is spiteful enough that he could sit out the entire year. And like you said, he's already hall of fame bound. He has a ton of money in endorsement deals and everything like that. So it's not like he needs the money. He's already hall of fame bound. So he doesn't need to do anything else for his career. He just won the NFL MVP last year. So, you know, he has at least one NFL MVP. I think he has two. More. I'm pretty sure he has another one as well. Yes. Okay. I didn't know if he had another one or two. I know he has at least another one. Uh, I don't know if he has two, but either way. He's, oh, yeah, he does. He has a three-time MVP. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. So, you know, very established career there. So all of that, uh, you know, kind of coming to a head at that point, 
you know, the Packers' heads were probably spinning. They probably didn't really know what to do necessarily there. Now, I will say I'm kind of surprised. The only team that I'm surprised didn't make a move on draft day for him was Denver. If anybody was going to do it, I could see them doing it. They had a very early pick. Um, you know, they could throw in Teddy Bridgewater if Jordan Love's not ready and he could bridge the gap there, um, you know, for another year. So that would have been the only thing I could see. But overall, I, I don't think the Packers are ready to give up on him. So I think that's why he didn't trade. They didn't trade him on draft day. You know, middle of the summer, beginning of training camp, this could be a different story. You know, I'm assuming he's going to skip all of these offseason workouts. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not going to those. So, you know, we could hear this kick back up again towards the end of July, uh, you know, beginning August. And I think that's probably where they'll if they trade him, if they don't try to call his bluff, that's probably where they'll trade him or when they'll trade him. I mean, but yeah, I, I'm with you though. I, I think they really mismanaged the resources there. I think that was a really good way to put it. So like I said, it, it, no, at no point in time during his 16 year NFL career, did they get him a first round wide receiver? Um, you know, he, he had Devonte Adams who he took Devonte Adams even took a couple of years to develop. You know, it, it took him probably well, like three. I think it took him three years to really kind of break out. It did, yeah. Because we were just looking. Um, I, I made a post on Twitter earlier this week about how rookie drafts are a crapshoot, and yeah. uh, we have our home league that we've started in 2016. So we went back and we were looking at the startup from that year, and I took Devonte Adams in the 14th round. He was a total flyer because he had been so bad the year before. Um, and I honestly, like, I mean, I didn't know much about dynasty or fantasy back then. I just took him to take him, and it worked out. I took Michael Thomas in the first round of that rookie draft, and one one two ships on the back of those two guys. Um, yeah, so, Them so and, he, and yeah, Le'Veon. I mean, and Le'Veon. Yes, so you know, people I mean, Adams had was basically worthless. Yeah, uh, or considered worthless his first couple of years in the league. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he hasn't. You know, they haven't surrounded him with the best assets. They haven't really surrounded him with any sort of like forward thinking offensive mind you know their offenses are pretty pretty bland overall to be honest with you i mean you know they never went out and got him even like a bruce arians you know bruce arians with tom brady now you know bruce arians did a lot with carson palmer you know so even if they at some point had gone out and gotten him that would have been a more inspiring hire at least offensively you know where they didn't go out and get and uh, you know Kyle Shanahan when he became available or or any of these other offensive minds. You know, they didn't get anybody for him to help him out there. And I don't know, maybe those guys didn't really want to go there because Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a head case and he's probably hard to work with. But I think you're right. Rodgers papered over a lot of the cracks there, you know, and it's kind of getting to the point where he's he's done. So I I genuinely believe that he has played his last snap in Green Bay. You know, part of the thing about having a franchise quarterback, and it's kind of unique, you know, you don't really get this dynamic in a lot of other sports just because you don't have one guy that influences every single game the way a, a quarterback does uh, for, for football is that sometimes, you know, you're not letting them make decisions, but you're at least involving them somewhere along the process and, make, and making them feel like they're involved. Whether you know whether you ended up taking their advice or not, and it just sounds like Green Bay never did that with him. And like it, like it or or not, that's just what the price 
of having a you know air quotes uh, of having a a high end future Hall of Fame starting quarterback. I think virtually every other team that has a guy like that has managed things in that way. You know, <laughs> except for Houston. <laughs> uh, except for Houston, but we've seen how that's worked out. So. Fair, very so, fair. I mean, it's just I think it's expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even even in Dallas where. It took them a while to kind of iron out the contract with Dak. They still went out and got him Amari Cooper. They went out and drafted him uh, C.D. Lamb in the first round last year. They loaded up the line they early. Loaded up the, yeah, they're, they're, they're at least surrounding their franchise player with the pieces. I don't know how much input he has in that, but they're at least saying, hey, let's help him out. I don't think, I don't think you can say the Packers uh, have done that really really at all at any point in time during his career. They've basically said Aaron's going to help us out. Yeah. By making these guys look good as opposed to the opposite where it should really be. We're trying to help Aaron out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm completely with you. I mean, like you said, the the quarterback franchise uh, dynamic is one that you don't see anywhere in any other sport just because of the impact that a quarterback has on the offense. And when you have a franchise quarterback, you do need to make some concessions here and there, you know, uh, you know, going back to Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, you know, Bruce Arians helps or, or lets Tom Brady make a lot of the, of decisions with, you know, some of the plays. He also, I'm sure Tom Brady was in, instrumental in bringing Antonio Brown in, you know, I have no doubt about that. So they're at least, you know, deferring to him on some decisions, maybe not all of them, you know, maybe they may not have run, the Kyle Trask pick by him, but I don't really think Kyle Trask is anything to be worried about if you're Tom Brady anyway. Gee, that's but. probably the guy. He, they gave him a list of names, and he was like, yeah, take Kyle Trask. <laughs> <laughs> he, he ain't no threat. <laughs> um, so with so let's say Rodgers has played his last snap in Green Bay. Uh, what are your thoughts here, just briefly, on, on Jordan Love as, as a quarterback, as a leader of an offense? It's really hard to say. You know, I don't want to say anything too definitive because we haven't seen him play in over a year. I didn't like him that much coming out of college. I had a day two grade on him. I knew he would get drafted in the first, you know, just the nature of the position, but I, I did not have a day one grade on him. thought he needed a while. And f- I, from what I remember correctly, you know, there were all those clips and stuff of him at camp and practice and stuff last year where he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn which should be very concerning if you're the, so that, and that's the other thing, like why, you know, when Justin Fields was falling, I was like, if we're just remembering, you know, maybe they're too proud to admit that that was already a, a, a mistake, but they really should have been going back and watching those clips and been like, maybe if we get rid of air and we have to get a quarterback in return, they can do something. Cause I'm not sure as soon as it's announced, if it's announced, you know, he leaves, they don't get a quarterback in exchange and Jordan loves the starter. I have him in a couple spots where I picked him up super cheap this off season. I'm flipping that guy right away for, you know, whatever I can get. And if you be like, cause the odds, it's like a 1% chance that he becomes like a, a really good fantasy quarterback out. Or even if the odds are like 25%, like nah, now nah, I'll take like a second, an early second round pick or something for him and be happy. Oh, you'll be able to get more than that. If I don't know because he doesn't have rushing upside. That's the thing. Like Jalen Hurts last year, like you knew you were getting rushing upside with him that he had some sort of a floor. Jordan Love doesn't have a floor. Jordan Love's floor is like negative five points. <laughs> like it's he really does not have much of a floor. No, I, I I'm with you there on that, but I just think the perception around him. And Green Bay's quarterback in general is one where he's going to have value. 
I think you're going to be able to get a first round pick for him. Uh, I have him in one league where I have him stashed on a taxi squad in our um, salary cap league. And he's at a very affordable salary, especially for quarterbacks. Um, and I got a little bit of interest in him. Um, you know, I'm hanging on to him for now because I didn't get quite enough for what I wanted for him. Because I do think, like I said, I think I'm going to be able to get a first for him. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to get a nice, a nice piece back for him. Um, so I'll, I'm with you. I'll wait to flip him once the news breaks that I'm expecting to break that he is going to be the starting quarterback there because I don't, even if they get a quarterback in return in their deal, like I said, I think it'll be like a Teddy Bridgewater type or, you know, maybe they send him to Washington and they get Ryan Fitzpatrick back, you know, in, in the deal um, to, to bridge it for love for another year. I I think that's the type of quarterback that they're going to get where it's like, a maybe one full year stopgap, but probably like five or six games as a stopgap. I really actually think the bigger question, and it's one that I have zero answer for. I have no idea what it would look like for the other guys on that team. If he's gone, you know what, what happens to Devonte Adams? I mean, they don't have enough other targets there. I still think it's a funnel to him and you know, Aaron Jones, you know, a lot, he does a lot of his damage in the passing game. I guess it would depend on what quarterback they bring in and what they want to do there. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know the answer to what happens to those other guys. I'm, I think if I'm a, a Devonte Adams owner, I'm still cautiously optimistic that he's going to get his, if I'm an Aaron Jones owner, I'm kind of pooping my pants a little bit. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little scared. <laughs> I don't think you're an Aaron Jones owner in too many places though, based on previous conversations we've had this off season. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought. Um, but we'll move from that into another uh, running back here. And, and for what it's worth, I didn't win any championships last year, so maybe I should have had a little more Aaron Jones <laughs> across my <laughs> rosters. But uh, uh, a lot of rebuilds, a lot of rebuilds last year. So, um, But yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll move off of the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay talk here. Um, and other news this week, uh, on Johnson, uh, former running back for Detroit, gets cut. And rumors are he's signing with Philly. I haven't seen if he officially signed yet, but I think I saw um, Schefter or somebody tweet that his agent said he was going to be signing with Philly. Is that, did you see that as well? Well, if I don't see pen on paper and a picture of them holding a jersey, I don't, uh, no. I, that's what I've, I've heard from a bunch of different places. Yeah. I'm assuming that it's, it's yeah. It's okay. Different. Yeah. I didn't know if it was official yet or not. But so yeah, it was sounding like carry on Johnson going to Philly there. Uh, and, you know, now Philly has, Miles Sanders already there. They just drafted Kenny Gainwell and they pick up carry on Johnson. Does this spell not the end of Miles Sanders, but does this take a pretty big chunk out of his RB one prospects here? I didn't think he was going to be an RB one this year. He'd be, he was fringe for me. He was in that bucket of guys that I could have, that I could see, but I wouldn't bet on it, you know, like a CEH. Um, he was one, um, a couple other guys probably in that mix, Joe Mixon probably in that that category for me. Um, I think if you're – so here's here's how I'll explain this. If carry-on Johnson is what makes you worried specifically uh, about Miles Sanders and I guess the, uh, the fact that they also drafted Kenny Gainwell, then I th- – like uh, carry-on Johnson himself is not what worries you. Because I think he's at this point, 
he's been injured. He's been, you know, I, I think he's, I don't think he's the same player he was when he came into the league. And I think that his room for error was so small coming into the league anyway, that, that, that ship has sailed. The bigger takeaway from it is just how many guys they keep adding to that backfield. They've added Gainwell, Jordan Howard, and Carrion Johnson in the span of about three months to that backfield, along with Miles Sanders, who's supposed to be this young running back one in an age where you ride the, the early round running back until they die, the wheels fall off, and then you just kick them to the curb and you pick up another one. They're not doing that. So I think maybe that tells you more of the story about what they think of Miles Sanders and how they want to use Miles Sanders as opposed to the names on the back of the jerseys of the guys that they have brought in to compete with him. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. At this, I, I'm not interested in carrying on Johnson at all for fantasy. You know, he may not even be on the roster for the Eagles day one, to be honest with you. You know, I could see him getting cut in camp, um, you know, because they already have Boston Scott there, who somebody used Flash a little bit here and there. Corey Clement, I think, is still there, too. You said they brought in Howard. They drafted Gainwell. So they have like six running backs on the roster. So I could see on Johnson getting cut again and, and going somewhere else. But I'm with you. I think it tells me more about Philly not wanting to fully commit to Sanders and they want to have a committee there. So this, like I said, the signing carry on and drafting Kenny Gainwell signals to me that I need to move Miles Sanders down in my rankings. Um, As much as it hurts as a former Penn state running back, I'm going to have to move him down a little bit here. Um, I haven't decided where officially, but rankings are going to be updated on the site here. Uh, after this weekend. So stay tuned for that. You'll actually see where my rankings are going to be after this weekend. He's uh, he's from Pittsburgh. Miles Sanders is he went he played high school football about 15 minutes from where I live. Uh, actually at my, the high school that my uh, cousins went to and my, they were in the band and stuff. So my uncle would always go to the games uh, for their high school, for their stuff. And he said that he's the best player he's ever seen in person at the high school level. Miles Sanders. I believe so I've it. always kind. I've always kind of had. I mean, a lot of good players come out of this area. So he's mm-hmm. he's seen some some guys and over the course of his forty or so years uh, being here in Pittsburgh, and he he said that. So I've always kind of had an affinity for him. Now I kind of just hope he leaves Philly. I mean, he was already dead to me when he went to Philly. Um, <laughs> I hate Philly as a sports town, man. It's a really cool place. Uh, some of the places there to go, um, but man, as a sports town, you guys are. Who's uh? Who, you're you're about to piss off another fan base here. <laughs> it's fine. It's who's, fine. Who's worse, Philly or New York Giants? It depends. <laughs> what? What do you? In what? In what sense? Which? Which I is the worst say, fan base? I. I think. Oh man, I. I'm not going to get that into it. Um, <laughs> I. I do have some really interesting stories about Philly fans doing stuff at games to people that are. Um, <laughs> but it's all anecdotal, of course. So right. Right, all anecdotal, all uh, all alleged incidents, um, but yeah. So I think that'll yeah. Like I said, I'll probably be moving down uh, Miles Sanders, and somebody that may jump him for me is uh, Joe Mixon, um, especially with the Giovanni Bernard being cut there, and the Bengals OC uh, Brian Callahan coming out and saying that. He believes Joe Mixon should be on the field every down, which is just music to my ears here. Uh, I think that you know Joe Mixon has been underutilized in his time there. He's been banged up a little bit here and there, but Joe Mixon's always a guy that I've liked. 
So I will say Joe Mixon's probably going to be creeping up my rankings a little bit here because I think he's a guy that people are kind of forgetting about now. I mean, everybody gets swept up in the new rookies. Everybody's getting swept up in last year's running back class. Um, But Joe Mixon is a guy who, you know, he's still, what, 24 years young? Something, yeah, he's young. We looked him up a couple a couple episodes yeah. ago, and we were, yeah, we were shocked like, to see that he's... Yeah, I think he's like 20, 24 years old, uh, so he's still pretty young, still has a lot of tread left on the tires. Um, what are what are your thoughts here on Joe Mixon potentially being on the field every down? I go back and forth on this all the time. I, I you know, they draft Jamar Chase, and I'm like, well, how many targets can he get now? And then, but you know, Giovanni Bernard left. So I'm like, well, maybe he gets a few more touches, but then, I mean, I don't love Chris Evans. I didn't even think he was like a a trendy, like sleeper pick for me. Like he was for some people. I just was never that blown away by him, but I think he's the, I mean, they have him and then I think they still have P Ryan, right? I don't think they got rid of him this off season. So it's basically those three guys. And then you have, um, uh, what's his name from Oklahoma. That's been, that's had like 12 12 career ending injuries in three years or something. Right. Yeah. Rodney Anderson, man, he was so good in college. Um, yeah. So like, they, I think Chris Evans is almost guaranteed to be the RB two there. Like uh, maybe he siphons a few touches and he's bigger than Bernard. So, you know, they were giving Bernard goal line touches for whatever reason last year, you know, maybe, maybe Evans steals those. I don't think, I think I have him just outside my top 12 and I don't think I can move him one way or the other. Like I, I just there there good things happen to him and then bad things happen to him and then good things happen then bad things happen. Um, the other thing is I'm still not buying into the Bengals offense. I still don't think that line is good. Like nope. and and if your best argument for them not taking a tackle is that they have Riley Reef, <laughs> mm, like Riley Reef's not that good and he's like old. Um, just I think he's old. like 32. Just bizarre like rationalizations from a fan base and honestly i think fantasy owners just wanted to see jamar chase back with joe burrow yeah yeah that's that's what everybody wanted to see everybody wanted to see jamar chase and joe burrow linking back up uh you know for fantasy purposes you know they're remembering fondly the 2019 uh lsu offense but I, that was definitely a luxury pick for them with already having Higgins and Boyd on the roster. So it was a luxury pick they really couldn't afford to make because of the holes elsewhere. And when you have a tackle prospect like Penny Sewell sitting there, I don't understand why they passed on him. I mean, I know they just took Jonah Williams, but Jonah Williams was a guy that people were talking about moving into guard. You could move him into guard. You could kick him over to the right side, you know, you, you can't have too many good offensive linemen. So I, I do wish they would have taken an offensive lineman there because I think that would help the entire offense out as a whole. I do. I am with you. I do worry a little bit about that offensive line being able to open up holes for Joe Mixon. But I think Mixon is good enough in the passing game where if they're, if they're actually start using him in the passing game, that he could still have a really nice fantasy year there. So like I said, he's a guy that will move up a little bit. Uh, especially with Sanders coming down for me. Uh, but we'll move into the last news here, uh, and that is Dak Prescott uh, saying he could, quote, play in a game right now. So it's sounding like he is pretty far along in his rehab process. 
Uh, it sounded like he should be full go for, you know, training camp for sure. Maybe even gets a little bit of OTA work. So I know we've talked about Dak before and his injury didn't really affect anything for you. Um, but given some of the other quarterback news out there, Aaron Rodgers potentially retiring, the whole Deshaun Watson saga, you know, is is Dak Prescott an offseason riser here for you a little bit? I have him really high. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there was that much room for me to bump him up. Um, I, I would take him, you know, Deshaun Watson was my QB2 and he no longer is. Um, just cause I have a very hard time believing that nothing happens to him. Um, but I've already, re- I've already updated my rankings to reflect that I have Dak as my QB four. I have Mahomes one. Um, oh no, actually I haven't updated those. So that's a good thing. I noticed that. So I can do that by next week. It's Mahomes one, Allen two, Prescott three. Um, and okay. I think an argument, an argument could be made to put, Prescott ahead of Allen. The thing for me, and this isn't even like a pro Allen comment that much, is he just rushes more. And I think, especially with uh, Dak coming off this ankle injury, he's going to be inclined to um, run less than he was before. So I think that raises Josh Allen's floor a little bit. Um, but I, I still, they're going to throw the ball a ton. You know, he has a lot of weapons there. Um, I like that he's saying that he could play in the game right now. Um, because I think, you know, that injury, like we've talked about a lot on the show, you never, you never know how some of these guys are going to come back. And obviously we don't have, you know, even if I knew how to read an x-ray, I don't have it in front of me <laughs> to, you know, to look at and be like, mm-hmm, 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 okay, uh, I see what's going on here. Um, but but a, a break like that is like a better injury than, you know, destroying your knee or, you know, an Achilles or, or something like that. Like you really, his, his kind of injury, if, you, if I have to have my starting quarterback have a traumatic injury, I hope it's I hope it's a, it's an ankle dislocation slash fracture, <laughs> and not uh, this large list of other things that could happen. So I, I think in terms of that, he had a preferable traumatic injury. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent there. Uh, I actually I have Dak Prescott as my fantasy QB two. Um, Deshaun Watson was my QB two. Obviously, with the news there, I, I'm with you. I have a hard time believing that nothing happens to him. Um, although I am more on the side that he will still play. Uh, he'll probably look at anywhere between you know, four to six game suspension this year, probably. I mean, it's already out of the media. Like nobody's really talking about this that much anymore. Um, you know, so I think I think he will play again. Um, you know, I don't know how much he'll play this year, so that's what dings him for me a little bit. But you know, and Dak Prescott is 27. He's a little bit older than Josh Allen um, and Kyler Murray, who I have at three and four. And I, and I go back and forth on those guys at three and four. Um, but I just, I, I've seen it from Dak enough and I'm not worried about that injury. I feel really good about him and his fantasy prospects with everybody else that they have on that roster there. So that's what he's at two for me because he was on a torrid pace last year before that injury. So I'm more comfortable with him at two. And, and like we said before, I'm, I'm a little bit more of, uh, you know, once you prove it to me, it's a lot harder for me to move. And, and I need you to prove it to me before I'm willing to move you up. So that's why I have Dak at two ahead of Murray and Josh, and Josh Allen. But I wouldn't fault anybody for putting those in any order there. I think expecting um, Dak to do what he did last year before he went down ever again right, is a little far-fetched. You know, at least we know that he has that in his 
you know, that club in his bag now. If they, you know, they have a game where maybe Zeke goes down in the first quarter or something and they're down or whatever, you know, he can throw it 50 times and put up some numbers and, and, and carry an offense. Um, but I think expecting him to, he was on pace to throw for like 6,000 yards or just something nuts through like four or five games. I, I We're not going to see that that level of, of play out of him again, at least not strung together five games in a row. Yeah, agreed. And so, I mean, that's that's a good point. Like, he's not going to put he's not going to put those numbers up again. But I I do feel very good about his fantasy numbers moving forward. Um, so we'll, it'll be something to monitor here in the off season. But like I said, I think I expect him to be full go by training camp and probably even get in some OTAs here. Um, but like we said, there there was another event here this weekend uh, or the last weekend, and that was the NFL draft. Uh, so we'll get into that here. That's the big meat of the show. And um, there were a couple surprises for me here uh, during the draft. And, and I'll kick it over to you first. What was the one of the biggest surprises for you uh, on draft day? So we, we each listed two, and I probably didn't put mine. I don't know if they're in order of, of biggest to smallest surprise for me or not. But the first one I put down here was Mac Jones fall to 15. Not because I necessarily think he's the kind of player that I would pick in the top 10, but with just, you know, everyone's quarterback hungry and there's so many teams that don't have a quarterback. There's a whole generation of quarterbacks that are aging out of the league right now. Um, you know, Rogers is 37. Even if he doesn't retire, he probably only has a couple years left. Uh, you know, Brady, you know, said he wants to says he wants to play for forever. Realistically, you know, he has two or three years left. Ben's almost done. Breeze retired this offseason, uh, depending on what you think about their in-house replacement or not. Uh, Fitzgerald, who's made his way around the league uh, half a dozen times, is, you know, he's on his last legs. Um, there, there are some other guys as well. So, I mean, there there is a group of quarterbacks that's aging out that even if a team doesn't have a need now, they're going to have a need very, very soon. So I just expected Mac Jones still to go top 10. When he fell out of 10 and then kept falling, I mean, I think it kind of became obvious. We're like, oh, he's going to go to New England. Like, I think you know, everybody kind of thought that, and it did happen. Um, I don't really care about him falling to New England. Like, that doesn't scare me or anything. You know, like, so, like it, you know, some people are like, huh, he's a Bill Belichick now. Like, oh, okay. Um, that I don't really care. But it, it just shocked me how far he fell. And some of the guys that went ahead of him, like I, I like Devonta Smith. I don't think I would take Devonta Smith over a quarterback if I if I needed one. And I had, I mean, none of these teams maybe they had, didn't have those kind of grades on him, but you know, I, I thought that he would go before Devonta Smith. Um, I'm trying to think who else went in that top, you know, 13, 14 guys that I was like, I don't know if I would have taken them over Mac Jones if I needed a quarterback. Um, I, because I, I, I like Elijah Barrett Tucker actually, but he's probably the only other one because he's a guard. You could be like, eh, yeah, I don't know if I would have done that. And obviously, the Jets traded up for that pick, and you know, blah blah blah. They weren't going to take another quarterback. Yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised by that as well. I, I thought that, I thought that New England was always a pretty probable landing spot. I mean, you saw a lot of of smoke around that, but I did think New England was going to have to trade up to get him. Um, you know, whether they traded up to Washington's pick there in the first round or, you know, even higher than that to get him. Uh, you know, I, I, I did expect them to, to have to trade up to get him. So for him to sit for them to sit there at 15, I mean, I think that was a great pick on their end, especially needing a quarterback. And I'm not even a biggest Mac Jones guy, but, 
you know, I, I, I'm with you there. I was kind of surprised that he fell that far. I was expecting him to go more in like the 11, 12 range, um, you know, but I, I guess, I mean, some of the teams in there needed a quarterback, but, you know, I mean, Philly was there. They're clearly going to give um, Jalen Hurts a year. Um, Denver was in that range. They just traded for Teddy Bridgewater, so I kind of understand why they passed on him. Um, you know, Carolina was up there. They were a little bit higher, but still, you know, they just traded for Sam Darnold. Um, Washington probably was the team that I thought could have either taken him or traded the pick out, but, you know, neither one happened there. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you. I think that was a surprise. Um, with mine, though, um, my biggest surprise is a guy that I've been, uh, you know, kind of banging the drum for all offseason uh, fell pretty far. Um, Amon Ra St. Brown fell to the fourth round, uh, pick 112. And I mean, he's a guy that I liked. He's a guy I thought the NFL would like as well. Uh, you know, he has good size, you know, he's, he's versatile and he had good production at USC. He pr- was on the field as a freshman and produced pretty well as a freshman. Uh, you know, I don't think he tested athletically quite like I, I thought he would. I mean, it was it was pro day stuff though, so that's kind of hard to say. But you know, uh, the athletic numbers weren't quite there. What I like quite weren't quite where I thought they were going to be. But you know, he fell to the fourth round and he got drafted behind guys like Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville, Anthony Schwartz, who's basically just a track star playing football. Uh, you know, Nico Collins, Amari Rogers, Dimey Brown, Josh Palmer, Tutu Atwell, who weighs 120, 155 pounds, and Dwayne Eskridge, who played corner the year before last year. So all of those guys got taken ahead of St. Brown. So I, I St. Brown's a guy that I like. He's a guy that fell a little bit in my rankings, but he goes to the Lions, and I think it's a wide-open depth chart. So the draft capital scares me. The landing spot doesn't. Yeah, I thought the NFL would like him a little bit more. Um, you know, I didn't think he'd go day one. I, no. I didn't think the NFL would like him quite that much. But like you said, versatile. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to hear, you know, over the next couple of months, if we get any sort of reporting about what team's concerns are with him. Um, is it the – he's an odd athlete, I think is like the best way to say it, where he's, yeah. a little, you know – a little bit stiffer, a little more of a straight line guy. And if you, you know, maybe if teams saw the versatility and they were like, I think he's more of a slot guy, maybe they worry about, you know, he doesn't quite have the flexibility or the ability to consistently win in the slot. Um, I'm, I, that's got to be the reason for me in my head, unless there was something medically or something that we don't know about. I know the family's a little bit of a headache too. Uh, so maybe that played into it. Yeah, that definitely could be too, potentially. Um, just given, his dad was a bit of a headache, uh, you know, during the whole off season when his brother Equinemia St. Brown was getting drafted quarterly Equinemia St. Brown, a little bit of a headache as well. Um, there's another brother too. He went to Stanford was it Osiris or something like that. Osiris. Yeah. Osiris. Yeah. Um, I haven't really heard anything about him. I think he's kind of the, the Ringo of those, uh, of those, uh, the, the Joe, <laughs> um, <laughs> The Joe Jonas. <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, um, Stanford can barely support one wide receiver a year, let alone you know multiple. And so there's a couple other guys there that are probably a little bit better than him. That's fair. Um, but like I said, the, the 
the guys that got taken ahead of him, I, I was very surprised with. Like I said, Josh Palmer, uh, very surprised where he went. Um, you know, I, I liked Dwayne Eskridge. Was kind of surprised that he went. Well, I mean, he he went what in the third round, I believe. So second round or second round, yeah, second round, um, pick fifty six. Um, so that kind of surprised me. That was a little earlier than I thought he was going to go. Des Fitzpatrick and Anthony Schwartz. I don't really think they had any business going higher than um, Amon Ross St. Brown, regardless of what you thought of him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time making a, figuring out what to make of this situation. But he's still a guy that I, I'm I'm not shying away from. He's still a guy that I'm going to draft. I will too. Um, I haven't been in position to take him anywhere yet. Um, because it seems like he's kind of like a late second guy. I haven't had any picks in that range in any of my leagues, so I've missed out on him everywhere. Um, but I would certainly take him in that range, yes. Yeah, um, so there was uh, another draft day surprise for you here, another one involving a quarterback. Uh, what was your What was your other surprise? I was surprised that we haven't heard that there was a bidding war for Justin Fields. Like I, we haven't usually after some of these things happen, you're like, well, we were fielding seven or eight offers and the, you know, cause the bears did not give that much to get that pick. If Justin Fields turns out to be even a Kirk cousins or a Derek Carr, a level starting quarterback, they gave up next year's first and a fourth and a fifth. That's nothing. And, and obviously, you know, the, this year's first, but I don't, I don't necessarily count that unless it's like an enormous you know, trade yeah. up, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're basically, that's what you're keeping on top of to move up. So I, I don't necessarily include that. Um, but that, that is so cheap. I, I, I want to know, I wish I could just get a, a, uh, you know, a, a, some, a, a big name person in someone's front office and, and get them and give them some truth serum or something and just <laughs> hear what the issue is with Justin Fields. Cause there has, there has to be something. There has to be something. I'm I'm going to believe that until the day I die. That is going on behind the scenes because there's no reason, A, for him to fall to 11 when a team like Denver, who's QB needy as hell, and Carolina, who really, you know, we'll say Atlanta. what about Darnold, but Atlanta, you know. Um, at least I think they have a stronger argument than those other two teams. Like you're waiting for Drew Locke or Sam Darnold to develop is not a good reason to not take Justin Fields, in my opinion. Um and like I, I just don't I don't know why he fell that far. Yeah, and then I don't know why there was no bidding war over him. You know, when he started falling, I was like, "Come on, Pittsburgh, pick up the damn phone." Like, <laughs> you know, so I, uh, that that is probably the biggest thing that shocked me on draft day: the fact that there was no bidding war, at least reportedly yet, for Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, we heard pre-draft reports that Justin Fields was likely to fall, and. I don't know. I was I was skeptical of those. I mean, clearly they were right, you know, but I like Justin Fields a lot. Justin Fields would be the second, but my QB two out of the last two classes. Like I would have him ahead of Joe Burrow. I would have had him ahead of Tua. You know, I really like what he can do, um, you know, and not even necessarily just with his legs. You know, I actually wish he would use his legs more than that, but I think he's a really good passer. Um, so you know, I'll be I'll be very curious to hear about that as well. But I think Bears fans, you got yourself a steal. You know, I think that's a phenomenal landing spot for him. Allen Robinson now has the best quarterback he's ever had in his career, which he was already going to have in Andy Dalton. <laughs> We're just saying something. It's really really sad. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Allen Robinson 
Allen Robinson may have been the guy who picked up the phone for the Bears and called and tried to move up for that pick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I like the landing spot there. So, but but I'm with you. I, I was surprised that the Bears only had to give up was a first, a future first, three and a four, right? I think a four and a five. I don't a think it was a. Yeah, which are like, I mean, I know NFL teams view, you know, for, for fantasy purposes, you know, you talk to anybody that does any sort of data work and they're like, if it's a day three guy, we don't care. I know NFL teams, you know, still see the value going through the entire draft or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, a future fourth and a future fifth to get a potential, you know, 10 year plus starting quarterback is extremely inconsequential. Like that is it is nothing to do to make that deal. Yeah. Um, and then the last surprise for me um, is, is a guy I mentioned just for a second earlier, uh, but that's Tutu Atwell, uh, wide receiver from Louisville, going in the second round. And the biggest, I mean, I know he was productive in college. You know, I know he's a, a burner. I know he's got good speed. But, man, it's hard to take anybody who's 155 pounds at wide receiver in any round in the draft, let alone in the second for a team in the LA Rams who doesn't need a receiver. You know, they have Robert Woods. They have Cooper cup. They took Van Jefferson last year. You know, they, they have competent tight end play. They they have running backs. that can catch the ball. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, talk about another luxury pick for a team that didn't, I mean, they the Rams could afford to to take a luxury pick, I guess, but invest in the O line there. You know, your left tackle Andrew Whitworth, he's what like thirty eight. You know, uh, he's and coming off an injury, like take a lineman there. And I mean, there were and then there were some decent linemen still on the board. Um, you know, I mean, Creed Humphrey is a guy that people liked. You know, he's a center, but still, you know, there was just. I don't understand that pick. That one really shocked me. And and again, you know, Tutu Atwell going over some of those other guys that I mentioned before, but like Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, if, if you wanted a guy with a Tutu Atwell type role, Dwayne Eskridge would be better, you know, but I, I, even maybe even Anthony Schwartz would have been better. But I, so that one, that one really surprised me as well. You know, we were talking a little bit about this before we hopped on here today. Um, NFL teams were complaining and that's why we saw some tr- you know, teams preferring to, if they got some sort of compensation back to, to move it into next year because they felt like there was more certainty. You know, They didn't get to meet with guys in person like they did last year, which is why all these senior bowl guys got overdrafted like crazy because uh, teams have this old school notion that if I can't sit there and slap you, uh, the meeting isn't <laughs> worth anything. I don't really know what the deal is with that. Um, it, but there were so many picks this year that just combine – very questionable process with very questionable analysis of the player in front of you. Um, so Colin's making a face. Did something just happen, Colin? Um, something just happened in one of our rookie drafts. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, and it's a it, well. I'll just I'll just touch on it quickly. It's a super flex league, and Trevor Lawrence just fell to the one three. Fell to me at the one three. Good God. So yeah, that's. Um, Man, um, anyway, I'm going to have to deal with that after the show here. Um, so that's all the time we have for today. No, just, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. 
I was just very shocked that he fell to the one three to me. I mean, it's just hilarious. The NFL teams basically like acted like because they couldn't meet with players this year that they were just putting a blindfold on and throwing a dart at a dartboard and hoping that they hit it. And it became apparent. Like there, there's a there's a pick or two every year. Like the Brashad Perryman pick in real time was just objectively like any yeah. person could that even remotely follows the NFL could have looked at that and been like, that's dumb. There were a lot more of those this year where you just look at and you're like, that's kind of dumb. The other one, and it's not offensive, but the Raiders took like five of the same player. They took like the, the five of these hybrid safety linebacker guys. I was like, are they just going to play like what's what's bigger than dying? Like, like package, like just eight of these guys out there. Like there's so many, so much questionable process. The Jags taking ETN when they already have a running back on their roster. To be honest, the way the Steelers attacked, attacked the draft, I thought was questioned, very, very questionable. Even if I like some of the players they ended up walking away with, uh, you could say the same for the Falcons, to be completely honest. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't want to comment on, you know, was, was Peyton Turner a reach or was Joe Tryon a reach? You know, I don't watch enough defensive players to know that and to know you know necessarily what the nfl thought of these guys i mean and i'm, I'm not going to get that into the carious tony thing but that was just a <laughs> the reach of all reaches so there, there were just so many picks this year where the nfl wants to play victim like the, oh we didn't have any information so this is the best we could do and it's like hmm, really i have a laptop and internet i probably could have done <laughs> you know equally okay <laughs> yeah I mean, you touched on the Falcons draft. I actually, I like the Falcons draft. I'm warming up to Kyle Pitts as an offensive weapon. Damian Parsons kind of sold me on him a little bit more on our draft day show on day two there where we had him on and he was just going into all of the different uh, options that a weapon like that can give you on on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm warming up a little bit to that. Uh, I don't love spending a, a top five pick on a tight end, but... You know, if you're going to do it, you may as well make it somebody like Kyle Pitts. Um, the only the only pick that I'll say I was a little bit, I don't even hate it. Um, they took Jalen Falcons took Jalen Mayfield in the third at, at a left tackle, um, who's fine, but they took or uh, um, Joseph Osai was still on the board, and we need edge help. So I was kind of surprised that they they let Joseph Osai go, who went that very next pick. Um, but other than that, I was fine with their draft. But yeah, I'm with you. I think that they were kind of being babies a little bit about how much you know they didn't know i mean you know they they're obviously okay yeah you don't have you you can't meet with this guy face to face but i'm sure they could do zoom meetings with him and i mean i had interviews for jobs over zoom and it's still like it's still like a pretty normal interview you know so i I think they were kind of blowing that out of proportion but you know, I, I think you're, you're right. That is why you saw some senior bowl guys rise that got drafted where they shouldn't have. Yeah, there were there were a lot of them this year. Um, and quite frankly, even of the ones that probably should have been, like, I mean, Josh Palmer, or was Josh Palmer at the senior bowl? He was, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He should be drafted. He should not have been drafted in day two. <laughs> like, there, there were a lot of guys like that where it's like, this dude blatantly got bumped like two rounds because a team shook his hand. Yeah. Like, which is just... The amount of just incompetence <laughs> in NFL front offices that spend millions and millions of dollars a year is just, it hurts my brain to think about it. I try not to too much. Yeah. I mean, you know, when a, a guy on, on Twitter with a bow tie can do a better job than some of these front office guys, you know, that's which seems to be a really big talking point lately. <laughs> Your bow tie? Uh, yes, I've had two people in the past week use it as an insult. 
I, doesn't hurt my feelings. I thought, uh, I, I, thought I looked good in it. So. I mean, hey, it's from your wedding day. So, exactly. You know. um, but anyway, we'll move on here to um, some more fantasy-relevant thing here. And uh, that's rookie risers and fallers just based on the draft here. Um, and you said you don't really have a, a riser per se. Is that right? I, so I, I did end up putting Amir Smith-Marset mm-hmm. here, um, who I do like. And, you know, I, I, I liked him pre-draft fine. I had a draftable grade on him. Um, I think his skill set is being overblown a little bit um, compared to what he's going to end up offering in the NFL. And, again, I don't really move guys. Um, I've had this discussion on here and on Debbie Debate. I don't really move based on landing spot that much. You know, maybe when I get to, like, my last, like, you know, I'm like a guy like 28 through 30. If one of them goes somewhere nice, you know, that, and I'll break a tie with it, but I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much for me, but Amir Smith, Marset goes to what seems to be a pretty wide open depth chart in, in Minnesota. So if I, I'm not necessarily drafting him more, but once I get to the point where it's just like, these guys are stashes, he's probably my favorite stash pick at this point. And I actually think I've taken him in almost all of my drafts that I've done so far. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, if Adam Thielen goes down again, you know, they, they have, he's competing with Ola BC Johnson as the second wide receiver on that team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Amir Smith Marset. He was a guy that I highlighted um, in one of our rookie profiles. Um, I love the landing spot there as well. Um, I was a little bit pissed. At you sniped him for me in our one draft. Um, you know, I, I like him a lot. Um, so he's a guy that, I haven't ended up with yet, but that's only because we've done two rookie picks, two rookie. I've only done two rookie drafts so far, and I haven't been in a position to take him yet other than the pick where you took him ahead of me. Um, but I'm fine. You know, I, I'm going to end up with a share of him somewhere because he's a guy that I like, and he's a guy that will rise in my rankings a little bit. Uh, I differ from you a little bit in that I do factor in um, – you know, landing spot a little bit here. I, I don't use it to jump tiers. You know, I have my tiers, but landing spot, you can move up or down within a tier for that. And a guy that's going to move and, and he's in a pretty big tier of wide receivers to begin with. Um, but a guy that's going to move up my rankings is Amari Rogers. Um, you know, getting drafted to green Bay, uh, in the third round. you know, I think that that's, so he's got day two draft capital. He lands on an open depth chart. He lands on a, depth chart that needs a slot receiver. So I, I he's a guy that um, I, I like that landing spot a lot for him. He's going to move up in my rankings. He's a guy that I liked pre-draft. I didn't love, um, but you know, I, I'll still end up with him any, and I haven't ended up with him anywhere yet or no, I did take him somewhere uh, in one of the two drafts. So I do have him in one league, um, but I will end up with him somewhere else as well in a couple other spots. He's going pretty early, um, like a little earlier than I thought he would. And I think people are still kind of assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Like, yeah, I, I think otherwise there's virtually no explanation for him going. Like I've seen him go ahead of De'Ami Brown in a league and that's a no, no, like that should not happen. Uh, in no. my opinion. So. Yeah. I, I, the Aaron Rodgers thing does worry me a little bit, but you know, I think that, you literally just got done saying half an hour ago that you'd think he never plays another snap. For the I, so, yes. Okay. Yes. 
Just to I, just just to refresh, you know, I, I, you know, that's my attorney. <laughs> I can I can refresh your recollection here. Um, so, uh, do, you can, me- do you remember can, saying that? Can we have the uh, the stenographer read that back? <laughs> Travel around with the pocket stenographer. <laughs> um, no, I I'm I do worry a little bit about Rogers, Aaron Rodgers not playing another snap there for Green Bay, but I still think this depth chart's open enough. And I think that his skill set is going to lend itself pretty well to a rookie wide receiver. So, you know, I think he's still going to be fantasy relevant. I think he's or a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback. I'm sorry, not a rookie receiver. Uh, but I, either way, I still think he's going to be fantasy relevant there in Green Bay. I mean, I don't I don't like any of the other receivers on that roster. And I don't even really like Tunyon that much either. Yeah, I don't either. Um, my other follower was Brevin Jordan. Or my follower is Brevin Jordan, I guess. Um, just, you know, to kind of compare and contrast his pre-draft, you know, hype. Like if it was those, those line graphs, you know, uh, Rogers and these guys are going this way and his is just like completely the opposite direction. Like they make an X. Because um, literally he did nothing well during pre-draft. He tested like crap um, <laughs> and then fell really far to a team that we don't know who's playing quarterback for them. Like we, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Deshaun Watson's going to miss playing time now, whether how much it is and whether he actually ever even comes back there because he's remember, he still said he doesn't want to play in Houston anymore. So even if we get beyond the, (laughs) you know, the, the, the bad stuff he's doing off the field, allegedly, we still have to worry about him not even being there anymore. So your quarterback is like Tyrod Taylor, Davis mills potentially for at least a year. And then, Maybe they take a quarterback early, but to be honest, do we trust Houston to do anything that's remotely intelligent? I don't think I really do. They have a, a pastor running the front office with zero other credentials. Um, you know, not that pastors aren't qualified people, but, um, you know, I don't necessarily want one running my football team. So um, I I don't I, – he's falling for me now at the same time. You know, he was a guy six months ago where you say, if you had said, you know, you get to 2-5 in a draft and someone snipes you on Pat Fryermuth and you need a tight end. In a tight end premium league, I'd have been all aboard, but I would said, fine, I'll take Brevin Jordan. Um, because he was my tight end three. Now he's going like mid-third. And I'm st- I'm very comfortable taking him in that range. I think I'll end up with a lot of him there, but it's just, you know, oh, the mighty have fallen, where he was pretty locked in mid-day two or mid-round two. And now you're like, yeah, he's in with the dart throw uh pile. You know, I'll just kind of close my eyes and pick one of them. Yeah, so uh, Brevin Jordan has fallen a little bit for me. But not as much as he has fallen for, it seems like, everybody else. Um, You know, I still think he – I don't think he's quite as good of a tight end prospect as we thought originally. Like like you said, he didn't didn't do himself any favors in the pre-draft process. Uh, So, you know, he fell a little bit for me, but I I like the landing spot. They don't really have any, you know, any competent receivers there. Now, it, like you said, is Watson going to be the quarterback there? Is Davis Mills going to be the quarterback? I don't. We don't really know. Uh, I don't really feel that great if it's Davis Mills, but you know, at the same time, I think their defense is is not very good either. So I think that they're probably going to be throw having to throw the ball a lot. You know, so just sheer number of targets, I think he'll have a decent amount. And you know, who's he competing with the tight end? You know, Jordan Atkins. You know, he's not really anybody special. Um, they have, they have one other guy, too, I can't think of. Well, that, that was your job. I, I forget things, and you remember them for me. 
that's the whole that's the whole shtick we have going on here, Colin. Damn. <laughs> um, they used to have Darren Fells, but he went somewhere else. So I can't think of who it is. But either way, it's a pretty narrow narrow depth chart there. So I still see a path for fantasy relevance for him. So he's somebody that I don't hate. Um, you know, for for tight end, and I'll say this: I think it's difficult to take a tight end that's not in an ascending offense or in a good offense. Because I think if you have a, have you ever watched a bad offense where the tight end is featured? I can't really remember that many off the top of my head. This is totally like someone's gonna send us a thing on Twitter <laughs> with like a list of like top five tight yeah. end finishes on teams that suck or something here after the yeah. show, but. I can't really think of any over the past couple of years that were like need to have tight ends that have been on bad offenses. I just like, I think a, a tight end is the one of those positions that's like, as the offense goes, the tight end um, goes with it. If they're a bad offense, I don't feel very good about him re- either way in it. And I think they're going to be a bad offense. It honestly would not shock me if they are the worst offense in the NFL this year, especially if Deshaun Watson misses meaningful time. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true because I don't really like any other pieces that they have on that offense, which no. is what makes me kind of like Brevin Jordan still. So, you know, uh, but like, you know, you brought up a really good point. I, I, I can't think of any other tight ends that were good on bad offenses either. So if you're listening out there and you do have players that were missing that were tight ends on bad offenses, do send them to us on Twitter. Um, I mean, Hawkins, Hawkinson was solid last year. Yeah. But I also think Hawkinson was way better. I had, I had him a better prospect than, than Brevin Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope everybody so, did. Yeah. And he had a better quarterback, you know, Stafford, even though he didn't yeah. play every game last year, you know, uh, he's much better than the combination of Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so the, uh, the last, the faller here for me is, um, is a guy that, again, I was really surprised that he, fell in the draft as far as he did um and that's seth williams uh wide receiver from auburn ends up falling all the way to the sixth round into the compensatory range of the sixth round uh pick 219 taken to taken by the denver broncos in going to an offense too where he's pretty much redundant in Cortland sutton uh i mean Cortland sutton does basically everything better than Seth Williams does. And one of the things that I liked about Seth Williams, you know, beyond, you know, his, I, th- I thought he had a pretty solid, you know, I thought he had a pretty solid uh, college career given that he was catching passes from Bo Nix, um, you know, but I think that, you know, he was still a good prospect. And now he goes to a situation where they have Cortland Sutton on the outside, they have Jerry Judy, they have Noah Fant. And they have KJ Hamler, who's a guy who at least stretches the field, and he's going to be real, you know, valuable for real world. Um, they also still have Tim Patrick, and they don't have anybody to throw him the ball. So, well, Teddy Bridgewater, but <laughs> you know, eh. uh, so you know, I, I I have a hard time seeing Seth Williams being fantasy relevant at all. So he's a pretty big faller for me. I think he's he's not do not draft, but. It would have to be a deep rookie draft, or I would have to be able to pick him up for free off of waivers. And even then, I don't know if I would. Yeah, I'm not taking him anywhere either. And it's actually really funny. I kind of I was talking to I think Brad over at Roto Lounge um, the other day, who is if you aren't checking out some of his stuff, uh, he does some really good work there. Has a Patreon and everything. That's a lot of fun. 
Um, but we were talking and he had said, yeah, it was a couple months ago. And he was like, what do you think of Seth Williams? This was before the process had really begun here. And I said, there's something, uh, there's something wrong with him that I think NFL teams aren't going to like. I think it's an attitude issue. I mm. think that he has some serious attitude issues, um, work ethic issues, perhaps that, that teams aren't going to like. Um, so I just think it's I think that is what happened. I think, I think that, I mean, I realize it's frustrating having Bo Nix, throwing you the ball. Um, but there were just a lot of times where it was like apparent that he just wasn't even trying. He was just kind of hanging out, trying to get through. basically, you know, he's, he, he was like, okay, when's my, when's my shift over here so I can go back and do whatever I want to do. That's kind of what it was like with him. Yeah, I, I can, I can see some of that on tape as well. Um, that's another one of the things too, that's, it's just one of those things that we don't really, we don't really ever know. The, the inside of a, of a player's mind like that or like what their work ethics like. I mean, you can make some guesses and I don't think your guess there with, with Seth Williams is unfounded by any means. Um, but I have a hard time factoring things like that into my rankings just because we don't know. So, but I think this, you know, him falling, I think that could lend some credence to, to what you were saying. Maybe NFL teams, you know, maybe he would have done better if NFL teams could have met with him in person. Yeah, and, you know, more often and, and been able to, to kind of discuss those issues face to face. I don't know. Maybe you can smell work ethic issues or something or, you know, <laughs> you know like they did a good work ethic and teams couldn't sit down well, in person with him. They couldn't smell him sweating. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll just, I, I'll stop talking about it. But yes. Um, all right. So we'll move into the last uh, last segment here. And that is. um uh, our most drafted players, and we already talked about, we've, we've had some rookie drafts take place here. Um, I've only had two completed. I have another one underway, um, you know, and then I'll have other ones that'll kick off here. But are there any players that you find yourself drafting or targeting consistently? And if so, why? Um, so the big one that I'm finding that just seems like a really good value is Deami Brown. And I'm not even a Deami Brown truther per se. I liked him. I had a mid-day two grade on him, and I had a mid-second round grade on him. And that seems to be where he's going in drafts, the middle of the second round. But I don't think um, he's that far behind the the Terrace Marshalls and the Elijah Moores of the world. And he's going – at least the reality seems like he – you know. According to a lot of people, he just it seems to be a different tier for a lot of people. I don't think it is. He's going to Washington, a very thin depth chart. The a spot alongside Terry McLaurin is wide open for the taking. They have you we don't know what their future quarterback situation is, but we know they have Fitzpatrick this year. And if Fitzpatrick loves to chuck it, they're probably going to chuck it this year, I would imagine, a decent amount with him there. So, you know, if he can get in there and get his foot in the door early, then you feel like you're probably cooking with some oil there. And he goes, yeah, I think I've gotten him like 207 in our home league, I think is what I took him out. I only had one pick in that that draft, and that's what I walked away with. Very happy with that. I've taken him one or two other spots as well, late second round. And it just it's a really, really good value for me for a guy that if he doesn't start day one or does you know doesn't do that much year one, even I'm okay with that. But I think that he has the potential to do something. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I like Diami Brown. He definitely rose up my boards a little bit here. Um like you said about with Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I haven't been in the position to take Diami Brown yet. Um, Diami Brown's kind of like an early second, um, you know, probably like the two, three, two, four ish range. 
Um, and I just, I've taken a couple other guys there. Um, and the one I had a two, I had the 201, uh, and I took Rondale Moore there. Um, you know, and, and in that draft where I took Rondale Moore at the 201, I see you ended up getting Dami Brown at the 27. Um, so kudos to you there. Cause I think that's a little bit later than he probably should have gone, but I do see two guys that were taken ahead of him that I probably, well, one guy for sure, Michael Carter, I would not have taken ahead of him. Um, so uh, Terrace Marshall, Dami Brown, that's kind of a coin flip. Um, I would probably lean Dami Brown over Marshall, but it, it's, it's close for sure. Um, you know, I would have to sit and really think about that one. So, you know, maybe Dami Brown looking in like more like the two, four, two, five range, I guess, but. I haven't really had any picks in that range yet, so I haven't had a chance to take him, but I'm definitely not avoiding him by any means. You're, you're muted. Okay. All right. Um, and then I have... Yeah, I wasn't saying anything either. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I was trying to use silent... I guess this is why teams want to meet with people in, people, people in person. All right, you sold me on why NFL teams have to meet with these guys in person. <laughs> that well, moment you, right there you could have just you could have just like pointed at me or, or or typed in the chat either way but okay yeah now you're pointing at me with one finger and i don't appreciate that one um now so uh, my most drafted guy is a guy that i just got done talking about being a faller and that's brevin jordan and the reason i ended up with him in both of the rookie drafts that have completed so far uh, is just Everybody else seems to be a lot lower on him than I am. I've ended up with him in the mid third round on both in both of them. So at that point in time, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely take a shot on, on Brevin Jordan over Josh Palmer over Ian book uh, over Nico Collins Tutu Atwell guys that are, those are the guys that are going Davis mills are the guys going in that range. Yeah. I'll take Brevin Jordan over those guys. Um, you know, especially in the tight end premium league. So if I, if I can get him at a good value, despite him being a bit of a faller for me, yeah, um, I, I'll absolutely take him. Yeah, I, I like him in that range as well. I agree with that. So, yeah, I'm not going to reach on Brevin Jordan, but he seems to be falling to a place where I'm very comfortable taking him. Uh, but I think that is going to do it here for us tonight. Um I don't really have any other housekeeping things here coming up. Other than, do you I already announced the rankings updates coming up here? Yeah, just um, just wanted to give a shout out to the other shows on the network here. Um, you know, if you're not listening to Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday, he's you know he's in off season mode, so he's being a little more experimental, I guess, and you know going a little more out there with what he's doing right now. But he's doing some really cool stuff. He's doing an interview series where he's got you know, some bigger name analysts on, you know, kind of, he's, he's doing like a, tell me how you started and then let me sell you on like deep Debbie and C2C. So it's a lot of fun hearing people being like, trying to like placate him. So he'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if he's sold, if he's truly sold anybody yet. Um, But they are really, really good interviews. He's had a lot of really interesting names on. And then he's had a couple players on as well. I think he just had um, uh, the kid that just transferred from Northwestern to Georgia tech. Uh, wide receiver oh, McGowan. Is no. that it? He, has, he has an Irish sounding last name. I do not remember what it is. Yeah, last name I is. think it might be McGowan. Um, but uh, but regardless, he just had him on this week, and it was a really good interview. I listened to a piece of that. Um, I think he has a couple more that he's trying to get on there in the next couple weeks. Um, so if you aren't listening to his show, I, I suggest you know it's just a nice, uh, it's shorter episodes, usually to like half an hour. So that's a lot of fun. 
Um, and then obviously Debbie Debate, which I'm a part of, um, is you know a fun show as well. Um, so so we recommend just you know if you're listening to us, and we're actually going to start putting their um, their episodes on our feed as well, just so they're a little more you know accessible, um, just just to get them out there a little bit more because we think it's it's just going to round out kind of your C two C experience a little bit. So yeah, absolutely, and I mean it's already been the um, Campus to Canton family of podcasts uh, was us, Campus to Canton, Debbie Debate, and Why Wait Till Sunday? Because those are the podcasts by all of us. Um, and there's some rumblings of a potential future podcast coming up here. I don't want to break any news or anything like that, but there's other talks about other members of ours potentially starting a podcast in the near future. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out for that. That would also fall under fall under the same family here. So yeah, and- we'll, we'll work. Yeah. And Dwight's Debbie manual, which is yes. not a part of our, and I'm not even sure, you know, how much longer. Um, I know that show goes in spurts a little bit, depending on when Dwight's available and everything. Yeah. Um, but that's a really good show as well. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't even know yet, yeah, Dwight Peoples, um, you know, does a bunch of stuff over at the site with us as well. Um, so he's a great follow and his, I, I really like the Debbie manual. Um, yeah. So, so listen to that one too. Yeah. I, I was on the Debbie manual, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, you know, I had a, Worst guest, worst guest in the history of the show. I heard. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think that was that was definitely talked about. I believe uh, I was called the in sync of uh, of of uh, Devi and C two C. So, or or I was a member of that. So, take that how you will. I was an in sync fan, but maybe not everybody else is. I, I I feel like I was always more Backstreet Boys in sync, but as I get older, I think maybe I'm more in sync and Backstreet Boys. Maybe we should put a poll of. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll release that with the episode here. Perfect. Uh, were you in sync or were you Backstreet Boys? Um, but yeah, no, that'll uh, yeah. So keep an eye out when if you see our other shows popping into our feed here. Um, you know, don't be alarmed. It's just you know we're kind of trying to incorporate all of the shows into the same family um, that we've already been, but we're just trying to put it all in one place. Um, but I think that's going to do it here for us tonight. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout uh, for our companion show, Campus Life. It's going to be dropping at the beginning of the week like it always does. Nothing's going to be changing with our podcast schedule. Still going to be an early week show. Still going to be a late week show. But as always, uh, I'm Colin. And I am Austin. And have a good one. <laughs>